In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the first Sunday of the Great Fast, and the, always the first Sunday, the readings of the Sunday are speaking about the treasures, and where do we find our treasures? Are our treasures on earth, or our treasures in heaven? And this is a good uh, introduction to the fast, because it's the first Sunday of the fast, because it's giving us an insight into why is it that we are fasting to begin with. People might say that the fasting is difficult, and we have to push ourselves to do something unpleasant that we don't want to do. And maybe one of the, the meditations that we have about the reason for behind the fasting is what the scripture says today in the Gospel of Matthew, is that if my treasure is in heaven, and I'm seeking truly this treasure that's in heaven, then I will do whatever it takes to, to reach it. I will sacrifice whatever else it will take to get it. When the parable gave us the parable of the treasure that was hidden in a field, and a man, he, when he found this treasure in a field, he sold all that he had so he could come and purchase the field because he considered that the treasure in the field was greater than all of his possessions. Everything else that he had and could not compare in value to the treasure that was in the field. So he bought, he bought it and sold everything else. From a financial perspective and an investment perspective, we can understand this easily. If, if you have to spend $100 to make $200, who wouldn't do that if it's guaranteed? that you're gonna get more money than you paid, everyone would do that because it's a clear, um, it's, it's, a, it's a clearly the right decision. It's a wise decision. But when it comes to the spiritual life, um, the kind of treasure that we reap, the kind of treasure that we get, isn't necessarily something immediate or instant. It isn't something that we pay the $100 and immediately we have a spiritual life. No, but there is a sacrifice that we make over the course of our life, and this sacrifice allows us to draw closer and closer to God throughout our life. So we will reap the reward and we will reap the benefit, but it will be something that maybe happens over a longer period of time that requires consistent sacrifice. And this is what the Lord is saying is do not reap for yourselves or, or store up for yourselves treasures on earth, which are only of the flesh, but to store up for yourself the treasure in heaven. And the Lord, when he was speaking about um, the eye and the lamp, he says this, he says, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? What he's saying is if the eye is diseased and cannot see the light, then everything around us is dark. Even if we are in the middle of the day and the sun is shining, but if my eye cannot see, then everything appears dark around me. Meaning that the way I perceive things, the way I understand things, the desires of my heart, the way I see myself, the way I see other people, everything is skewed, everything is distorted. I can't see clearly anything around me. And I'm convinced that maybe what I see is the truth that maybe what I see is, is right when actually I am the one at fault and I am the one that's wrong. So we can speak a little bit about this darkened eye. What can we learn about the darkened eye? St. John Chrysostom, he says, the eye he speaks of is not the external, but the internal eye. The light is the understanding through which the soul sees God. He whose heart is turned to God has an eye full of light. That is, his understanding is pure, not distorted by the influence of worldly lusts. The darkness in us is our bodily senses, which always desire the things that pertain to darkness. Whoso then has a pure eye, that is a spiritual understanding, preserves his body and light, that is without sin. For though the flesh desires evil, yet by the might of divine fear, the soul resists it. 
But whoever has an eye that is an understanding, either darkened by the influence of the malignant passions or fouled by evil lusts, possesses his body in darkness. He does not resist the flesh when it lusts after evil things, but ha he has no hope in heaven because he has no hope in heaven, which hope alone gives us the strength to resist desire. So here St. John Chrysostom is saying that the worldly lusts is... Is, is is consuming us when we are filled with darkness. Our, 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 our darkness makes us only want to seek the worldly passions, the worldly lusts. But the person who has the spiritual eye, even though he is confronted with and tempted by the earthly passions, and yet he has a desire to overcome them, again, because he sees the treasure that is in heaven. The person who seeks the treasure in heaven is able to resist and war against the worldly lusts because he realizes that what he is fighting for is greater than the giving in to the temptation in the moment. So what can we learn about this darkened eye? What are some characteristics of this darkened eye? To the person with a darkened eye, sin is desirable. Sin is desirable. To the person with a light in their eye, whose, whose light is, is clear, the light that is coming from God, when they look at sin, they see it as something to be hated, something to be fled away from, something to be despised, something to resist and to flee from. The person with the light in their eye sees sin as it is. It is a destructive force working in our life that separates us from God. And the more sin I have in my life, the more separated from God I will be. And because God is the source of life, then we become actually separated from the source of life. And we become filled with sadness and despair the more we are separated more and more from God. So the person with the, the eye that is full of light sees sin for what it is. But the person whose eye is full of darkness, for them sin is a desirable thing to be sought after. In Proverbs 7, King Solomon says, For at the window of my house I looked through my lattice and saw among the simple. I perceived among the youths a young man devoid of understanding, passing along the street near her corner. This, this, um, this proverb personifies lust as a woman. Um, passing along the street near her corner, and he took the path to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she, should, she seduced him. Immediately, he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stalks, till an arrow struck his liver. As a bird hastens to the snare, he did not know it would cost his life. This is giving this example of uh, a man who is consumed with temptation and lust, and instead of thinking through the, his actions and what will be the consequences of his actions, he gives in to this temptation in the moment, and it actually causes his destruction. He falls into sin. So a person with the, the, the eye that is full of light will recognize when he is being tempted, will recognize that there is a temptation and it is a strong one, and respond by, by fleeing away, by taking some action to stop the temptation from turning into sin. Another characteristic of the darkened eye is that to this person, the sin seems harmless. There doesn't seem to be any long-term consequence to sin. It's just the momentary pleasure of the sin, and then that's it. There's no real long-term consequence in the perspective of this person. The person might think that they can sin and quickly repent, but even when God does accept our repentance, it doesn't erase or remove the consequence of the sin. For instance, a person could be experimenting with drugs and they know that this is wrong. And then after they use the drugs, they go and they confess and they say, I, I use the drugs. Okay, God has forgiven you. Okay, um, but that doesn't change the fact that over time you are developing a habit, 
and an addiction to this drug and that its hold on you is going to increase more and more and more the more you use it. This is true for any sin. This is true for anything that we allow ourselves to do. It becomes a habit over time. And if it reaches the point of addiction, it has such a control and a power over us that we feel compelled and unable to stop ourselves from committing it and falling into it again. So to the person with the darkened eye, they take sin very lightly. Yes, I can commit the sin today. I can repent tomorrow. I can confess. And then everything will be fine. I can live my life how I want with the doing the things that I want, but at the same time, I'm, I'm receiving forgiveness from God, thinking that they are escaping the consequence of the sin. But actually, that's not the case. People do not easily escape this way. Yes, it's true that God ex receives our repentance, but that doesn't erase the consequences that come upon us because of the sin. So the person with the darkened eye sees that sin is harmless, will have no long-term effect on them. The person with a darkened eye also is blind to their personal weakness, meaning they cannot see themselves. They don't know themselves. They make decisions without understanding why they are making those decisions. They, they are, are, are responding to their lusts, their passions, their hidden and secret desires that maybe compels them not to make wise decisions. And they, they go through with this. They, they keep living their life this way, falling into the same bad patterns and bad decisions again and again because they don't understand themselves. They don't understand that maybe there is a wrong desire I have in myself that is leading me to have these, make these bad decisions. Job, when he was praying to God, he said, How many are my iniquities and sins? Make me know my transgression and my sin. So he was actually asking God, Reveal to me who I really am. Reveal to me my weakness. This is going to be very difficult for us to sit with ourselves and to accept the reality of who we are. Here is what I do. Here is how I think. This is my faults. I, we sometimes want to escape from thinking or contemplating about our weaknesses because we don't want to accept or believe that this is truly who I am. But this is the first step to repentance and change. The first step to change and making a positive change in my life is to first realize where is our starting point. Who, who is it that I am today so that I can begin to work, to improve myself, to grow, to stop the bad habits, to stop the, the passions that are maybe that have a destructive effect on my life, and I can begin moving forward. The people with this darkened eye that are blind to their personal weakness, when they come time for confession, they don't want, know what to confess. They think that there's nothing really that they have done because they are not really like probing themselves um, very deeply. They're not really asking themselves the difficult questions. A person who struggles with this always likes to remain busy and distracted because the moment that they, be the, 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 they become quiet, they begin to think. And when they begin to think, they begin to see themselves and they begin to think about what is it that I'm doing? How is it that I'm living? And this is a painful and difficult thing. Right? A person who has this darkened eye doesn't see themselves and doesn't want to see who they are. The person with a darkened eye accepts darkness as being a normal thing, meaning a man who was born blind considers that darkness is normal. There is, they have no other experience in life. They have nothing else that they can compare with. They believe that this darkness is the normal way that all people are. So also a person who is living in sin does not consider that there is any other lifestyle, that this is the only lifestyle that there is. A life of sin, a life of, of, of wickedness, this is what is normal in their sight. There is nothing else. When, when, when people who are living in this way, they see a holy person, 
The holy person is like an enigma to them. They don't understand how this person can live a certain way. And they consider that those people who are righteous, those people who are trying to live by God's commands, are actually backwards. They're backwards, they, they're not enjoying their life, they're putting undue restrictions on themselves, they're, um, they're, they're, they're not happy people because they are refraining from committing different kinds of sin, right? And the person believes this because their eye is dark. They don't realize that there is an alternative way of life. There is an alternative path of life. They don't taste the sweetness of what it means to be in a relationship with God and to desire to be holy like God wants us to be holy. So again, the person with this darkened eye is focusing only on the world, on the worldly pleasures, the worldly enjoyment, and doesn't care about the spiritual enjoyment. Whenever somebody comes and tells them about, oh, we, we go and we pray in the church for hours and we you know, refrain from doing this and that and we don't watch these things, and we do, they, they look at the Christian and think that this person is crazy. Why are you living your life this way? Well, it's because you do not see what I see. Um, the people with the darkened eyes only see the darkness. They don't see the light. Another characteristic of the darkened eye is they cannot see the good in anything. Because the eye is full of darkness, they interpret everything around them in the worst way. This kind of person maybe is, um, like it's very easy for them to take the actions of anyone and interpret them in a very negative way, in the worst possible way. Um, like the Pharisees, for instance, whenever the Pharisees would see the Lord Jesus Christ uh, healing people on the Sabbath, instead of focusing on the miracle, instead of focusing on how it is good that the Lord is healing people and that people are being healed and that God is manifesting himself and, and something good is happening, they focused only on the negative thing, which was in their mind, oh, you shouldn't be healing on the Sabbath. It says, they said to him, there are six days on which men ought to work, therefore come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day, right? So they, they weren't looking at the good. And sometimes we fall into this trap of only seeing the negative. All I see is the negative around me. I see the negative in my job. I don't see any positives. I see the negative in my family. I don't see any positives. I see the negative in my, in my life as a whole. And I focus so much on the negative things that I fall into despair, maybe become angry at God because I am not being thankful for all the good things that God has given me. And this is another example of this darkened eye. The eye that does not see clearly, does not see accurately. Right? And so I begin to see everything around me as being negative instead of seeing any positive at all. The darkened eye is also the one that is filled with sadness and despair. When a person is living in darkness, of course, what light is there that they can see? They see that all the world around them is wicked. They see all the world around them is, is, is sad. There is no hope in my life because all I see around me is darkness. But the Lord is the light. When we, when we look at him, we see the light, we see the hope. He is the one who brings hope into our life. Maybe for the rest of my life, I'm going to struggle with certain crosses that I have to bear and I have to carry. And maybe sometimes some of these crosses will remain to the very end. Maybe there will be some problems in my life that cannot be solved or will not be solved. But in the end, my hope is not just in the resolution of these problems. My hope is in Christ who is going to grant me eternal life away from all these things. My hope is not just on the temporary like fixing of my problem, but it's on the eternal victory that the Lord has had over death. So in, 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 in my mind, my hope should not be in the world, but it should be in Christ. And when I look at him, I see his light. But if my eye is darkened, 
and my relationship with him is weak or non-existent, then I cannot see his light, and all I see around me is the despair of the world, and I see the sadness of my situation and the pain of my situation because I'm not looking toward him. But those of us who learn to grow in looking at him, even in the midst of the most difficult challenges, we see light even in darkness. Even when around me is dark, I still am filled with the light. In Psalm 31.10, it says, For my life is spent with grief, and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity, and my bones waste away. This is uh, the psalmist who is telling us about his status when he is in despair and sadness. But then after, he goes on to rejoice in Christ, to rejoice in God, to, to remember the presence of God. Always in the Psalms, you see a part that is speaking about our difficult emotions that we're experiencing, the pain that I have, the sadness, the fear, whatever it might be, but then to remember the presence of God and to redirect our mind and our eyes toward Christ and then to be lifted up again. And this is the way that we have hope in our life. God never promised us that we were going to have easy lives or that we were not going to face difficult problems. But he said, in the midst of all those problems, I continue to be with you. Look to me and you will find the light of life. So in conclusion, um, what is the answer? In Colossians chapter 1, it says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Meaning, prior to the coming of Christ, all the world was living in darkness. What hope was there for anyone in the world? All of us were living in darkness. But after the resurrection, now none of us have to live in darkness anymore because whatever darkness we experience in this life is only temporary. And even in the midst of it, the Lord Jesus Christ is with us. He is the one who enlightens us, and so he's the one who fills us with his light. And so here the Lord is exhorting us to say, Fill, let your light, let your eye be filled with light. When I look, I, I see only light. I see only goodness. I see goodness in Christ. I see goodness in others. I see goodness in my situation. I see the Lord in everything that I do, and so I am at peace and I'm contented and I'm happy even when things don't go according to my desire. But those people whose eye is filled with darkness, all they see is sadness and despair and wickedness and they don't see any hope at the end of the tunnel because they are only seeing what they are experiencing in the moment. So at the beginning of this great fast, may the Lord remind us all of this treasure that we have in heaven and to see it clearly with our eyes that this is my goal and my target is this treasure and to be with the Lord. And this is our motivation to fast. This is our motivation to pray. This is our motivation to repent. Not because we want perfection in and of itself, not because we want to attain a state of sinlessness, but because we want a relationship with Christ and removing sin is removing a barrier between us and him so that we can experience him more fully. We can enjoy his presence more in our life. And this is what we are all seeking. And this is the purpose of fasting. So even as we fast and even as we talk about the specifics of the fasting, like what kinds of food to eat and not to eat, when I should eat and when I should not eat, and all these questions that we have about fasting, um, we should remember why we are doing this. We are doing this because we want to be filled with the light. We want to... Uh, reduce and diminish the desires of the flesh so we can focus on our, our relationship with God and may glor glory be to God forever. Amen.